purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to this, another episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. This is number 93. Wow. Closing in on 100. Between now and then, we're going to do a couple of fun things leading up to that episode. And I want to invite you to be part of that celebration with us and share how you've benefited from the Higher Purpose Podcast. But I'll save that for a couple of episodes away. Today, I am so excited to have my dear friend, Mike Vacanti, founder of the Humans First Club, return to the podcast. You may remember Mike from episode 77, which would be 16 episodes ago, about four months ago, we had this conversation and it kicked off all kinds of things that have happened over the last 100, 120 days since we aired that first conversation about humans first. So sit back and enjoy. I want to invite you, this conversation, we think of it as like a three-act play. So here we go with Mike Vacanti. Hey, what a delight to welcome Mike Vacanti back. That's right, back to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Hello. Kevin, I'm really excited again to be here. And what an amazing journey it's been just over the last 90 days. Well, and that's what we want to talk about. And folks, if you could see us, we may have to post a picture, but if you could see us unplanned, uncoordinated, we're both showed up in royal blue today. So... (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. Yeah, Mike, what's so funny? I guess one of the biggest things that's different, we were kind of strangers. Now, we're still strange, but we were strangers when we recorded that first podcast episode in episode 77. We had just known each other for about 10 days when that aired. It's true, Kevin. And it had been the first time I had been invited into a conversation. So you broke ground with that conversation for me. And I will share with that. I don't think anybody's stranger than I am. (laughs) All right. Well, Mike, you know, we always start with what are you grateful for? So right now as we're connecting, what what is something that you're grateful for today? You know, I've said before, Kevin, it's the people in my life that always bring me the greatest gratitude. But what struck me recently is the depth of those relationships Mm -hmm. that are building, like ours. Yeah. And it's having the strength of others combined and supporting that brings me great gratitude. Mm, yeah. So years ago, I was in a town hall meeting, a government environment, and Barbara Sable from the Kellogg Foundation was there. And she used this phrase, relationships are primary. All else is derivative. Oh, that's beautiful. And I just said, hey, Barbara, can I use that? And I've been using it ever since. And this shows how far back it was. She goes, yeah, do you have a fax number? I'll fax you the (laughs) report that came out of. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, relationships. And I'm grateful for the relationship that we've shared. And and you listening, maybe you're newer to the podcast. Maybe you're a longtime listener. Wow, Mike and I had this conversation back in January, and nobody, neither of us knew at that time that it launched this whole series of conversations 
about humans first. And so Mike and I, we talk weekly and we were having a conversation the other day and said, yeah, what if we reconnected on the podcast and had one of these conversations? So that's what I want to ask. Let's start here, Mike, for those that may be newer to the podcast and haven't heard that first conversation and are kind of like humans first. What's a one paragraph or so overview of the Humans First Club, just to make sure everybody starts at square one with us now. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody recognizes that we're an inflection point in business, right? People are not being fulfilled. Engagement is very low. We have mental and physical health ramifications that are challenging people, and businesses are being challenged to find that growth rhythm. Mm. The old system doesn't work, and people, I think, are much more aware than they used to be. So humans first is how do we actively bring more humanity into the workplace to elevate people from a mental standpoint, to get them physically healthy, to create some healing and advancement, really to evolve the workplace. Hmm. All right. Love it. (laughs) So when we're talking humans first, the focus is primarily in the workplace and workspace? It is. I think that, you know, it spills over into all areas of life and it's necessary because we bring all areas of life into work. However, that's been kind of forbidden up until this point. We're recognizing now that we're kind of always on. We're always in our outside of work lives and we're always bringing work into our personal lives. And With that blend, I don't think we've made the adjustments. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast conversation earlier today from the UK, and it was an interesting point they made, how cell phones have changed things, because rarely would somebody have called you at home years ago about a work project. Right. Now they call you on your cell phone, and you're at home, and you think nothing about picking it up, answering the call, and engaging in a conversation. Yeah, it's true. And that division, in many cases, is actually comfort. Hey, if I can deal with that now and put it aside, I can get back to what I'm doing and be focused on it, Hmm. rather than have it hang until tomorrow morning and walk into a surprise. Hmm. So there's, I think, different feelings about that. I don't know what's right or wrong, but certainly giving people choice is a good idea. Yeah. All right. So, People are always interested in asking, what's new? What's new with the Humans First Club? So what are the highlights or the bright spots, big happenings since we aired that conversation, episode 77, mid-January 2019? Yeah, what's really funny is reflecting and thinking when we had our first conversation back in January, Kevin, that was half a lifetime ago of the Humans First Club live events. You know, it was launched in October in New York, and then we were in three cities in Seattle and Dallas. Then we had our conversation, and it's been Denver and L.A. and Chattanooga, where we were together. And in between there, you had all those brilliant conversations, and it was amazing to hear those presenting members, the speakers from those events, share And I think I learned as much about the Humans First Club through those podcasts as anybody else did. You know, hearing it from somebody else's perspective was really valuable. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because you and I have had this conversation a lot. 
that humans first club, the way I think of it is it's like this multifaceted diamond. And so different people, based on their life journey, the work they do it in life, when they come to the Humans First Club, they see it in a different light and they see one or two facets of the diamond. And then somebody else comes to the same event, same city, and sees it in a different light and a different facet. So it is all of that is Humans First. Yeah, creating those different experiences. And I love the diamond metaphor with that because it is that reflection and it is the sharing or shining of light. And I think people have done that brilliantly. The response is amazingly similar, Hmm. although the situations and the content, even the setup, the dialogue is different. Four people have come away from those with brilliant notes sending back saying that was life-changing, which Hmm. is pretty shocking to hear from people. (laughs) Yeah, how does that land with you when someone communicates that an event you hosted tied to a movement you founded was actually life-changing for them? It's hard to swallow, actually. And then at the same time, Kevin, I sometimes think, I wish I was in their chair. That would be (laughs) how amazing to show up for three hours and have a life-changing experience. I think I want one of those. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. Susan Scott, in her book, Fierce Conversations, has this statement, and I'm going to butcher it here. I'll find the quote and put it in the show notes. But, you know, not every conversation or not every meeting in this case can change your life, but anyone can, right? The possibility to go to a meeting and it be a transformational event, it happens for people. So what do you think and what have you heard from those reports that you can share that why did transformation happen? Obviously, there's a point of readiness and hunger on their part. Definitely. You know, they've been different, but the similar theme to that is they were feeling something they didn't think could be exposed or they felt alone in that experience they were having. And the fact that it's being brought to the surface and other people are talking about navigating through it and it not only validates where they are and how they're feeling, but gives them hope that they can step through it, that they're not flawed or they're not outcast. They're actually part of something that is important and they're part of the solution. They're not the problem. I I think that switch gets flipped somehow. Yeah. And if you have been in an environment where whether you've been told this or not is kind of irrelevant, but you came to the conclusion that you are the problem, that you are abnormal, and that your expectations are unrealistic, and all of that equals you don't belong here. Right, And then you go into an environment, which I love how you describe the Humans First Club, the least exclusive organization you'll ever be a member of or ever, you know, the least exclusive club you can enter. And you find what people do belong. Yes. And Kevin, I love the way that you brought that to light in the Chattanooga event, right? With the superheroes. And it is so important that we're actually brilliant in our uniqueness. And 
everybody is brilliant. It's not just the few. It's not just the presenting members. Yes, when I say we, it really is everybody. It's not like you and I. I know some people, when they hear this, they go, yeah, Mike and Kevin are, or the presenting members are, or, you know, somebody, but not me. Yeah, I don't, like, let's change that. Let's give people the ability and comfort to really own where they are, who they are, because when we do that, then we can truly look at where do we grow from here? Yeah, where do we grow from here? Not go from here, but grow from here. And, you know, when you brought up the superpowers and everybody does have that brilliant uniqueness. So how do we empower that to let them be their best? And then what's the value to all of those people around them and then to the companies where they're, you know, performing a role. And when we take a look at instead of people being outcasts or outliers, what if those superpowers are actually what we embrace? So business is set up to measure against sameness. And we need those least common denominators to start to measure people off of. And the closer you are to mediocre, the better we can measure and control you. It's never made sense to me. Never. All right. So I want to go back to something here before we, we move on and miss this part. Yes, I have had the opportunity to participate in one of the six human club events that have been hosted. As you said, the experience is similar, but each is different. And you and I have had a lot of conversations. So the Humans First Club is not a road show. The Humans First Club has this similarity to each event, but it's not like there is this. I mean, we know this, especially technology companies. When they launch a new product, they have a road show. And the road show is we take the same, exact same. Now, we may improve it, but we take the standard agenda and just do it everywhere. Right. Now, that's not what happens at a Humans First Club meeting. No, it's not. It's not packaged goods, right? So we're not putting something on the shelf to be consumed. Each event is about the participants. Very first and always and foremost, it's about you in the room. And we have these wonderfully giving volunteers that come in to share and infuse ideas and topics, ways forward, examples of good works and how we can best exist in the world, how we lead better, what our experiences are. And that just gets the juices flowing so people can participate. Mm -hmm. And it's the participation of the people that are in the room that evening or that day, that's the magic. And you can't put that in a jar, which is why it's, I think, you know, been so brilliant and why it's growing so fast. All right. Everyone is different. Everyone is similar. When I say every one of the events, I want to be careful. I'm not talking about you as a person, but every one of the events is similar, yet everyone is unique. Now, And you mentioned a phrase, just where do we grow from here? So what's next on this course, this journey, this evolution of humans first? Yeah, I appreciate that, Kevin, because it started as a way to do discovery. So if we 
can build hope into people and we can understand what they're experiencing, how can we be prescriptive, perhaps, going forward about what people are experiencing, what they believe works, where the challenges are, what's common? I mean, it turns into being one of the most, you know, perfect research projects really ever conducted because it's real people in real situations. And that I didn't know what the inflection point would be through that journey, but I think we've reached it now. It's growing and people are coming to everything that's wrapping around it, calls that are taking place, and there's a desire to participate more. And so what's next is well, wait, I want to interrupt you before you get into what next. There was something you said that I just want to unpack a little bit more. That while we've just said all of these meetings are, you know, very different, different presenting members there, different people in the room. But I think I just heard you say that there are similar themes and topics that have emerged from the conversations even though they weren't scripted to be similar. Right. We oftentimes don't even start with the same topic. So, you know, I get a chance to say a few words at each of these. Some people would say maybe a few too many. but (laughs) (laughs) Others would say not enough. And each of the six, I've brought a different conversation to the table because I'm not bringing an idea or a program. I'm bringing something to think about, something to discuss a thing we believe is a truth, should we discuss it? Hmm. Is that a business lie or is that a business rule? We get confused about those things, Hmm. I think, very often. And so by having four or five different topics, it really opens people up. They connect with something. And what it comes back to is as they share their experiences, that's where there's so much commonality. Yeah. And there's commonality about what is good and what works. And there's commonality of what is broken and can be addressed or repaired. I just found that interesting. So not by design, but just by response, which tells us the experiences are very similar across the country. And we also know across the world. Many of the experiences that people have are similar. You know, Kevin, and when you talk about across the world, I just have to share. So last week, I was on calls back to back in the day that were from people in different countries. And you would need a tank to cross the border between the countries Hmm. that those people I talked to. And our conversations were very much the same. Yeah. And I pulled back from that and really had to rest on that and reflect Mm. how can two people in basically warring countries be expressing the same love and values and hope about what can change. Wow. Brilliant. Okay. I didn't mean to distract or derail. I don't think I did, but let's go back to this, the growing what's on the horizon and how near term is that horizon? Yeah, the horizon's very near term. So to better serve the audience that is becoming thousands now all over the world, there needs to be a opportunity to continue the conversations, to give them hope and encouragement and create a community 
where they can contribute, where there's interaction amongst those members to keep advancing the conversations, the ideas, and bring solutions to the surface. Hmm. Not in a controlled way, but in a playful way, in an experimental way. You know, almost like, well, I call it the playground. (laughs) And that is launching very near term. The official launch will come on May 21st, aligned with the live event that's taking place in Charlotte. All right. We'll see if we can stream a little bit from there. We're just kind of doing the whole launch plan, but there will be an opportunity for people to come together and continue to experiment and meet other like-hearted people and start to create what the future looks like. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So this is some type of, as I hear you explain it, some type of online place, a virtual place where people can gather and people that may not have been able to physically be in the room where a Humans First Club event was happening can now come to the playground. Yes. Yes. And find different ways to share and create together. And we'll facilitate that. And like with the calls that are taking place, right? It's open to everybody to draw all of those ideas forward and let people participate and meet each other and build meaningful relationships and find that they belong and they're not alone. So there's so much goodness in that. And then where does it go from there where we can go deeper exploring those ideas Yeah, where we can actually start together, create ways to put these ideals into action. And that's really where it needs to go. So if we're identifying so clearly that significant change is needed, then how do we put that into action? And can't be one person. It can't even be a small group. But when it's open to everybody with a global perspective, I think we're going to be amazed at what we discover. Man, I can't wait. May 21st, the date's circled on my calendar. (laughs) And then secondly, around this, more meetings? Are there more Humans First Club events? And how might they look different? Yes. So I want to continue being responsive to those that raise their hand and want to do something in their city because that's building the communities in the cities. And I have an idea of how that will go forward. And I still want to make sure that we as a group are serving that desire, that need. I think that what I've learned is the desire for people to go deeper in some of these topics that are presented We want to create an opportunity for that. So extended time, I think, is important. And an opportunity to get a larger group of people together and have more topics, I think, is very clearly been given as feedback that moving to a one-day event, for instance, that has more time, deeper scope and scale, that is where we're headed. So maybe less frequent events. So I'm not, you know, spinning them up every month, but every couple of months, every quarter, and we can make them bigger, more engaging, allowing more time, more choice. Wow. Here were phrases or word pairs I heard as I was listening to you. Extended time, 
in these yeah. events, focus topics, because in deeper dives right. with a focus topic. And one of the themes that I think is always true to humans first is this action oriented. Yes. We want you to leave with understanding there's a next step you can take. There's not just, huh, that was interesting, but there's yeah. a path forward. And then they are connection rich. Connection rich because it really is about relationships and meeting others that you can draw from and extend that relationship with is some of the great value. What I love that you said, Kevin, is that you can take action with because it's not a coin. You take away and just show those people this new coin you came away with and magic will happen throughout your life. It really is about you that, hey, if you feel empowered and this raised your hope and you know that there's people that you can rely on and dive into and explore with, then you get to take that action to become the best you. Mm, yeah, yeah. Not apply this thing from somebody else. Right. And not walk away with the understanding that there is no such thing as a perfect workplace. So you're not looking for the perfect workplace, but you're realizing, and this is one of the things I love that came out of the Chattanooga event. You, you listening, you Mike Vacanti, you Kevin Monroe, always have a choice. Yeah, the greatest freedom is choice. And when we empower people with that, I think they do amazing things. Mm -hmm. Well, so far in this conversation, we've explored what's been happening and what the future holds for the Humans First Club. However, there are new developments that are concurrent with the Humans First Club that are inspired and informed by everything we're learning in all things Humans First, the clubs, the hangouts, the conversations on this podcast, as well as conversations you and I have had with presenting members and business leaders around the world. So is it okay if we shift and kind of talk about now where the rubber hits the road? And in case you don't know what that means, if that's a big yeah. phrase to you, that means the place where what you've learned through research, classroom or laboratory, interacts and impacts real-world problems and makes a meaningful difference. Is that what you want to talk about now, Mike? Yeah, I'd love to go there because that has come out of all these discussions, Kevin. We get all these people in a room and we've talked about the great experience and people talking about you know life-changing experience and then the many conversations and notes and relationships that build out of that. We know that, you know, on the hangouts, we get people together on Fridays and experiencing the emotion shared back of how people were feeling during that is a very real thing. And what definitely comes next is that's great. But now, as you said, you know, rubber hitting the road, what do I do with that? Yeah. You know, I can't just sit and bask in that great feeling. I want to bring that into my day. I want the people around me in business to experience that. And that's where it feels like a barrier or there's no entry point to bring this into our daily work lives. And Well, and then at the same time, businesses and business leaders are confronting some major challenges, pressing challenges. You know, whether they're considered an inflection point or whether you think of it as a digital transformation that's not transforming the way you had hoped, or whether it's this perfect storm, whatever it is, 
stuff is happening and stuff is happening right now because as we're having this conversation, it's the first month of the second quarter. Absolutely. You know, so people are pretty aware of what their challenges are going into the next of the year. What is ramping up and getting the traction that's necessary and what's not. You know, most companies in some way have a change initiative going on. And what we've learned to do is apply what we've done in the past to move things forward. And the connection point between what we're learning at, with all the humans first activity, events, conversations is there is a better way to go at those initiatives. You know, we do so much in adopting language. We see it all over the place. It's like, oh yeah, that's really nice language. We're doing that now, but none of the actions follow through with that. <laughs> you just have a new label for an old activity. Yeah, it's like, oh, I love that language. Let's adopt that language. But we don't adopt any actions that are actually change actions. So, you know, when we really look at how do we help companies accelerate growth to really embrace and navigate change, which we hear all the time from many of these conversations we still struggle with that. People aren't on board. We are still change resistant. We try to put change initiatives in place, but nothing really changes. And to gain and sustain traction on those initiatives, I believe we've discovered a great way to approach that. Well, let's talk about it. I'm listening to these words and I'm thinking how different this is. Accelerate growth, navigate change, gain traction, versus drive change. Right, right. And we know that if there's an inflection point, and I think we all feel that, right? There's a shift in business that people feel is real. And I think if we really were to zero in on one thing, it's we all know that command and control no longer works. Yeah. How do we move off of that? And... That is what people are desiring. And as we bring them into that dialogue, when we help companies understand that they already own and know the solution to their problems because the people living it have their own answers. Yeah. Um, There's an opportunity to bring that forward, to pull that out and being able to express will bring out the best in all those people. And I'm so excited about this. So let's tell people, what are we talking about here? How can we help? Yeah, well, there's a program that's really been informed by, you know, the work that has been done in the past. And as we've collaborated, Kevin, and look at the grid works you've done with leaderships and with organizations through the years. And, you know, over the last few years, the work with Microsoft and big reorg and restructurings, that have been done, the team programs that I had been working through for the last few years with varied companies and varied industries, adoption was still a big challenge. And the gift that people have given us, me, through all of this Humans First Club dialogue and brilliant sharing is the understanding of how to put the power back in their hands. And the program now, Winning Conversations, is built on all that learning. And how do we bring the right altitude and perspective and dimension of the people involved, right size that the unique problem that companies are having. 
And we can get that answer yeah. through open dialogue, much like we do during the hangout discussions, very much like we do in the Humans First Club events when we watch people open up and they say, yes, I want that. I want to do that. That will make the biggest difference in my company. But when I go back to the company, that's not how we operate. Right. And I can't bring this in. We have the same barriers. And it was that conflict that really informed, we can break that wall down. We can come in and teach companies to do this. And then it is sustainable. And they do own it. And it can become part of their management practice. And we can do it iteratively. It can be owned. And it's very engaging for the people that are going to move it forward. And so it drives adoption. It accelerates the initiatives for each unit is business is kind of complex, right? So, and we look at multi units within a company trying to collaborate now, and they don't tie those initiatives together very well. And they think about what systems, how can we, in our old way of operating, how can we bring all those things together? And the idea is, well, stop trying to do it in the old way of operating. Yeah. Here is the way to bring that into dialogue and actually build up the belief and ownership for those involved. Right. And through dialogue, through structured dialogue, uncover and unleash the brilliance that's already there yeah. in your organization. It's not bringing in an outside answer. It's helping uncover what you already know, but refocus on it and get everyone seeing the diamond, your diamond, in the same way, even though they're seeing it from different facets, they're seeing the same thing and they're moving forward. They're ready to move forward. And they're seeing this as our initiative, not your initiative that you're trying to drive through our department. Yeah, and it is exactly right, Kevin. And it takes the assumption out of it. Why assume things? Why have that doubt and be quiet about somebody else's perspective? Let's bring that up. Going back to what you said about driving change in an organization, that's silliness. That's force. And you're forcing against what is actually happening or the beliefs that people have. And so when we can stretch people out of their comfort zone and then align to the reality that's going on, now, all of a sudden, you see the company values come through, you see the vision become clear, and people align or attach to that rather than sit in that disbelief and, you know, just get back to their desk and get busy, 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 right? We love being busy, but now we can be purposeful. Hmm. And that's a big shift for business. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what might an organization or a leader listening to this, what might they be experiencing now that's the frustration that a winning conversation could help them redirect, break through? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of key areas that seem to be very natural movers, right? We know that HR as practice inside companies, as a role, HR likes to call themselves an industry, but you know, they know that they're at a change place also, that the opportunity for HR to 
this is a you know very important time of need and opportunity for HR to have more influence in the business, and that is how do we empower people mm-hmm. and getting that alignment to actual strategy and business outcomes. This is a brilliant way to tie that in. It has to dismiss a lot of the old practices to open up room for actual human interaction and dialogue to be able to capture where people are and how they can move forward. And that's not going to come through surveys and that's not going to come through, you know, passive aggressive 360 programs. It's not going to come through the way that we score and measure with annual review systems right now. But again, you know, like we said before, given the opportunity, people will amaze you. So bringing them into the conversation and actually finding the barriers that each person's experiencing and removing those natural and real barriers Mm -hmm. is the way forward. So yeah, and Kevin, for the executive, how great would it be to actually be informed by the team? to lead from within rather than lead by command, to not tell people what to believe and what to do, but to engage in what is truly going on and putting the effort against tackling the actual barriers, not the perceived barriers. Well, and now you're getting into something that gets me all wired up, and that's this whole thinking, the new understanding of leadership. Leadership is happening throughout your organization, at every level of the organization, with or without titles, with or without hierarchy. Absolutely. And you've got to empower that kind of leadership and allow people to lead at every level. You know, we see it in rooms when we're doing workshops, right, Kevin? It's interesting when you get a group of people in a company together and the executive will be sharing some information or giving the instruction or the command or, you know, talking about the business. And you'll see someone else in the room that everybody kind of looks over at. And by their body language or a nod or whatever, you can tell it's like, that is the authority. But that quiet person over there giving the nod that everybody's looking at, that's the leader. Yeah. <laughs> They're not always the same thing. <laughs> so how could a winning conversation help? Somebody that's listening, they're, they're sitting here and they go, oh, this is intriguing, but how could it help me? Yeah. Most companies in trying to accelerate their business are going through some system, some major initiative, and the pace of adoption is always going to drive the success of that initiative. And depending on the health of the mindset of everybody engaged, that is definitely going to affect the adoption and the speed and the traction and therefore the outcome of the program or the initiative. Winning conversations helps pull all that into alignment. We talk about being agile, an agile organization or applying agile methods to doing things. In many ways, this is aligned with those stand-up meetings. Do we know what's going on? Do we know what is going to happen during this day? And how do all the pieces fit together? Because there's always multiple streams. So 
when we take that up a few levels and teach companies to go in and do this on a pretty regular basis to build these winning conversations into their organizational rhythms. Yeah. And so we started by let's get the first alignment done. And now we can map out what beliefs do people have? What objectives do they believe in? What are the challenges of each of those objectives? And what's working within each of those objectives? And then it's just a stream of what's still a challenge, what's still working. The beauty that comes out of that, Kevin, is people will really see that sense of achievement and contribution. And I think that busts through a lot of the challenges we're having and people hang in their heads and 88% of the people walking out the door at the end of the day feeling they did not make a significant contribution that day. Right. Right. We can change that by starting at the beginning with winning conversations and getting the intent in place. Participation heightened. Contribution and reward aligned to actual outcomes. And it sounds like, well, if you've put that magic potion together, why hasn't it been done? I don't know that anybody else has traveled around for six months and had hundreds and hundreds of conversations and follow-up dialogue. And when we look at, this is informed by people from all over the world, many different levels within a company, many different industries. And we find the common denominator. And that has led to this approach, which in early conversations with people, they're very excited about. I've got a conversation coming up within a well-known industry coming up next week. I'm not going to name that yet. (laughs) It's gaining some excitement because it's a very different approach to a highly believed and known problem. For the person who's listening to this, who knows the pain firsthand and is eager to explore, at least explore, hosting a winning conversation in their organization, what's the next step? Well, they can reach out to you. They can reach out to me. Have a conversation. Have a conversation. Having a winning conversation in your organization. Yes. You know, they can find us through the Humans First Club. They can find us at MJ Vacanti. They can find us at Kevin Monroe and X Factor Consulting. Connect with us on one of the social media and just say, hey, I want to learn more. We're pretty available, both of us. We'll include those links in the show notes. Is there something else you want to say about winning conversations? Before I ask you to conclude the whole conversation we've had today. (laughs) I think what has to be understood is, you know, each company is unique. Yeah. And it's unique because we have a unique collection of individuals that are driving or engaging in the actions of that company. And the greatest outcome is to get all the parts working together. And that we talked about some of the chiropractor and making tweaks. Yeah. This is not what we're hearing so much of now, Kevin, is we need hacks, right? We need to cheat. We need shortcuts. And I don't believe that's the best approach to do anything, right? It's like, let's just get a short-term thing going and it's going to break apart. And let's stop trying to cheat and hack. Let's not disrupt and cause pain, more pain for people. 
how about if we just tweak and shift some of our beliefs and behaviors that align with the vision and mission of the company? And rather than working at the surface, yeah, let's go deep and let's get to the issues that allow lasting transformation to really occur. It does. And think of this is, what if the new managers and the emerging leaders within your company are now learning and adopting, in some ways being trained to approach their teams and business challenges in this manner that engages everybody it ties to the vision. It stays focused on barriers and constraints. It accelerates adoption. And it's all done by really putting some love in the organization hmm. and yeah. lifting the people around you. It's leading from within. It's making the whole team more important than the one person. Absolutely. All right. So looking back this whole conversation, all things humans first, <laughs> what do you want to leave people encouraged with? Well, yeah, encouraged with is there is a better way and we are coming into a new time. And I believe that there's a lot of hope in bringing your voice and your ideas and being able to express those feelings. And those thoughts. Everybody does matter. Thank you, Bob Chapman. Being purpose-driven is something we can all strive for. But mostly, I want people to know that you're welcome here in the Humans First movement. And you belong here. We want your voice. We want you to be heard. We want to understand what you're experiencing. And you're going to find many, many people that are feeling and thinking like you are. And those build relationships of support and thoughtfulness and hope for each other. And that's, I think, the magic is to watch all of these relationships blossom that are coming out of this large network of like-hearted people. Awesome. Thanks for joining, Mike. I've got so much that's stirring in my heart and mind, but I think I'm just going to save that and add those to my concluding comments for this conversation. Because if I say them now, you and I are going to go on another 30, 45 minutes, and all of a sudden, this has become a mini-series, not a podcast. So, <laughs> thanks for joining, Mike. Kevin, this is such a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, Mike, what a delight to have you join me for today's conversation. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation. More than that, I hope you're encouraged by joining us in this conversation. For too long now, people have been shutting parts of themselves down, or worse yet, cutting parts of themselves off because they weren't welcomed in the workplace. People have been silenced or stifled, and we see where that's gotten us. We have record levels of disengagement, disenchantment in the workplace, and that just leads to all other kinds of bad things. But what we know and what we believe you believe is there is another way, a better way, a more humans first way. So I invite you to please explore the work of the Humans First Club 
Or join us on Fridays for one of the Humans First Hangouts that we host every Friday for the foreseeable future at this point. And if you've got a project that's stuck, stalled, or struggling, as we were talking about these winning conversations, you believe a winning conversation is what it would take to allow you to gain traction and make the forward progress that you want to make on something significant in your organization, especially if it benefits the people of your organization and the people you serve, I invite you to contact me. I'd love to have a conversation with you about you hosting a winning conversation in your workplace. You can email me, Kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com, or you can call me, 678-744-5111. Hey, until next week, I invite you and encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you wanting to grow as a Humans First leader and connect in meaningful conversation with other Humans First leaders? Join the Humans First Book Club, where they dive deep into a book a month and engage the authors in conversation. Go to humansfirstbookclub.com.